Welcome to the Property Mom podcast. I'm Dolapo and I'm on a mission to raise the next generation of property investors. So I'm a wife, a mother of two wonderful kids who are five and three, and I'm what you'd call a property entrepreneur. And if you're just joining us for the first time, thanks so much for listening to this. And my hope is that you learn something new every time you listen. And you will, because I've juggled the past few years between raising a family, property investing, development, refurbs, rent to rent, and educating. So my love for property does run really deep. This podcast is for anyone looking to get into property, build a portfolio of owned or managed properties, and build long-term wealth whether as a side business or if you eventually want to quit your job and run your own business full-time, you're definitely in the right place. Here, you'll find discussions, ideas, and strategies for UK property investing. And I'll be inviting guests as well to share their own experiences and to educate us. My guest today is Joe Ravani. She works with private investors and is a property developer. She does projects ranging from simple refurbs by Tillets to complex commercial to resi conversions. So she's someone who's been in development for a while and she drops some major nuggets. So just like my previous guests, I love speaking with everyday women who are taking big risks and taking things to the next level of property investing and when I say risks I don't mean just you know reckless risks I mean educated risks and they're really motivating us to move outside our comfort zones and do bigger things she bears all and gives clear insights into how she's transitioned from her regular job seven years ago into property development full-time and how though it wasn't easy With determination, dedication, and a strong will, she was able to build her business. So do listen in to this episode for anyone who's looking to get into the larger scale property development projects. Enjoy. So literally, I've just sat down about 40 minutes ago. I've been out since nine o'clock this morning. Um, I was on site at four different projects with the architect and planning consultant um, at two of them and then the architect at another two. So um, I had two property offers accepted just before the lockdown. And they are just small residential property flips with around 40, 50K profit on each one. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to look at how I can maximize that profit. So one of them is actually a bungalow in the middle of semi-detached houses. Actually, I thought about adding another floor and splitting it into two houses. So I wanted to take the architect to have a look at that. On the other, uh, other one, I want to put another extra bedroom on. So looking at whether we can do an extension out the back, uh, maybe put a dormer on. But the other two are the ones that I'm really excited about. So they're bigger projects, so commercial to residential conversions. Okay. So that's pretty much what I do most of in my business now. Um, bigger projects, maybe mixed use or a full commercial to resident, residential development site. The two I've seen today, um, one I've secured on a lease option. Um, So I've got an agreement uh, where I'm controlling the property for a period of nine months to allow me some time to get the planning. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've met with the architect and planning consultant there today. So it's in a conservation area. It's absolutely stunning. It's got four commercial units on the ground floor, three of which are already income generating. Mm -hmm. And I can put maybe 14 to 16 flats upstairs. So absolutely fantastic, town centre location, really, really excited. It's, um, the building goes back to 1800s um, and it was, um, it's been empty for about 30 years, but it was the old museum 
<laughs> so it's got some really what area is this? What area is uh, in Burton. Okay. And um, Burton is East Midlands. So it's halfway between Nottingham and Birmingham. Okay. So is that what you would say is your patch? That's the area which it's, you it's my patch now. Um, so when I started investing, I was investing in Greater Manchester. Okay. Uh, but I moved to the Midlands about two and a half, almost three years ago. So been looking at East Midlands and West Midlands for the last six to 12 months, I would say. Okay. Um, and then the, the fourth one is something that I'm just doing a little bit of feasibility on before the offer goes in. Um, the offer will probably go in on Friday. It's pretty much been accepted in principle. I just haven't put a formal offer in, but just wanted to take the architect and the planning consultant there to look at what, if any, issues we may have with the planning. Okay. Uh, you, you know, that's essentially what this morning's visit was about on all the sites is I know what surveys I need to do. I have an idea of what development costs are going to be, but can you foresee any big challenges or objections to the so planning? Because that's the biggest thing before I start spending any money. So yeah, really excited about it. Kind of protect about against downside risk in a sense. So you want yeah. to go there with professionals that will go through exactly. The directly to the property and say okay this is potentially what you could run into and you're planning for that really good right. now right. i'm interested in the bungalow because i've looked at a couple of bungalows and it, um do you find that it's easy have you ever done any of these before and do you find that it's easy to convert a bungalow to a uh, sort of a double story uh, no i've not i've not done anything like that before um so it's the first time i'm exploring that but yeah. having spoken to the architect on site his view actually is um, just put a dormer on the back, okay, um, and do a another a first floor on half of the building, and put the master up there. Uh, I see. I've seen the before, so it can be at the rear of the property. And yeah, then exactly. The front will still look. Will still have the facade of the bungalow. Exactly. Exactly. And then, yeah. Okay. Um, and he said, so you could create a really, really mm -hmm. nice four-bedroom family home without the expense of yeah. you know, create two separate houses because then you've got your sound separation, separation of utilities, mm -hmm. you know, so the costs start racking up. So, um, yeah, so I've now got to go back to the agent and just qualify what the market value would be as a four-bedroom family home as opposed to a two-bedroom bungalow, which it is now yeah okay. as a bungalow it could still work you know and literally i would have to, if i if i just kept it as it is mm -hmm. and just gave it a makeover a new kitchen a decorate yeah the bathroom doesn't need doing if i just spent probably 10 fifteen thousand on it mm -hmm. i could make about 30 grand profit which would be a you know, yeah. great return on investment but yeah. I'm trying to maximize, obviously, my return um, yeah. in the best possible way and trying That's to bring... Limited resources, right? So you want to work that money as much as you can. Yeah. So it's really good to see that you kind of moved into this sort of next stage of development where you're doing commercial, Terezi, development, yeah. and you have all of this going on. But I'd be interested to know how you got started in properties. So what was your, first of all, your motivations, and then how you then started the journey? What were you doing oh. before... <laughs> And oh, was it that long ago? It, well, it's um, it's coming up to about seven years now. Oh, good. Um, and I, I always wanted to get into property, but I always thought, well, you need lots of money to get into property. Mm -hmm. Property's not small. You know, it's not like spending a few hundred pounds. It's, yeah. These are big numbers. Um, and I thought, well, I haven't got any money. And then I, I kind of realised that actually, I, yes, it, you need lots of money. 
it just doesn't have to be your own money. So I under, started to understand private investment um, mm -hmm. as either angel investors or joint ventures, mm -hmm. leveraging the bank's money, you know, leveraging institutional finance. Mm -hmm. um, and the weird thing is that I worked in financial services, but I was completely financially illiterate. <laughs> I didn't have a clue about investments. Yeah. So anyway, the reason, the reason why I started when I did was um, I was approaching my 40th birthday and my doctor told me I was a heart attack waiting to happen because of the stress of work. Wow. So I was working a 70, 80 hour week in my day wow. job. Um, you know, I worked in the, in the city of London and I was working so many hours and because of the stress, you, mm -hmm. you know, I was basically making myself ill. I had mm -hmm. made myself ill mm. and I kind of got to the stage, you know, at the age of 40, it was a bit of a wake up call to say, well, I've got two choices here. I carry on doing what I'm doing and I probably won't make it to 50 or I choose to do something different. So what is that something different? So I started looking more into property um, and um, decided to get myself some, some property training, mm -hmm. got myself a mentor um, and just started learning the basic principles about investing, about how to raise money, uh, you know, how to have, how to formulate a strategy, mm -hmm. how to, recycle money from deal to deal to understand the principles behind the velocity of money from deal to deal because what i've since come to realize is that there are a lot of landlords out there who think they are investors but they're not they they just buy houses um and they buy them cash and you know they leave they, and that's fine that works for some people if you're cash rich yeah. and that's great because they look at it, maybe if I buy five to 10 houses and that's my security for retirement. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll play with that. That's not a problem. But for me, I wanted more. Yeah. I, I wanted to get out of the job. I wanted security. And I wanted to be able to live a quality of life mm -hmm. now and into my 40s as opposed to waiting, waiting until I'm 60, 65, 70 and I'm retired. And maybe, just maybe, I might have enough to have a good retirement. <laughs> Yeah. I, I didn't want to leave that in the hands of a boss or, or you, you know, the government or the welfare yeah. system or anything. Yeah, like minded, yes. Like yeah. you, know, you want to kind of take control of your own destiny. You want to do the work, hard work, but be the one being rewarded for your hard work as opposed yeah. to somebody else. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so got, got, got training, got out there buying um, and uh, very, very quickly mm -hmm. within literally 18 months, mm -hmm. I was able to sack the boss. Fantastic. So, so you, you know, that because that's very important. Like, so did you find um, a private investor partner with that person to buy the property or how were you mm -hmm. able to take that step? That's very yeah. key. So pri private raised private investment. Um, not, not to JV because my, my primary focus at the time was mm -hmm. to just buy two and three bedroom houses for buy to let. Okay. So buy them, renovate them, add value, refinance recycle the cash back out pay the angel investor so secured an angel investor paying them eight percent return on their money per annum okay um and then you know at the end of the first 12 months um, the angel said well you can have the money again for another 12 months okay. I'm happy with the eight yeah. percent um, so you know i was able to build that portfolio of two three two and three bedroom houses quite quickly I was doing small refurb and, and sell projects then, so making 15, 20K profit yeah. on small projects and building up a pot of cash by myself that I was then reinvesting. So it just okay. kind of worked two different 
property strategies at the same time, buy to lets and flips. Yeah. Um, and you were working while you were doing this? I was absolutely working okay. all the way through this, yeah, because okay. so I didn't, I guess, mm -hmm. I didn't have um, any savings that I could live off when I started this. So it was important mm -hmm. to obviously keep the income coming in. Yeah. Got to keep a roof over my head, put food on the table, pay the bills, um, yeah. keep the income coming in whilst investing at the same time. And then when I got to a stage where I had enough income from the properties, mm -hmm. it, that was the point at which I said, right, I haven't replaced my salary, but have enough. Yes. And that's exactly, yeah. Because at that point, you know, if you're doing how many hours a week and you're able to build this amount, then yep. if you have 40 hours to focus completely on this full time, yeah, that, that's exactly the point where you leave your job. Yeah. Do you know what I love about this? When people ask me, what, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I say, I'm a property investor. And they say, well, what does, what do you mean? It's like, is that your job? And I think, well, first of all, I don't see it as a job. Yes. <laughs> and second of all, it's not full time because you choose the hours. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I'm not dictated to by a clock and a contract. Yeah. I choose, and I, I absolutely love the fact that I'm completely in control now. Control. Yeah, best decision I ever made. Yes, 100%. Everybody <laughs> asks me that question, like, would you ever go back to your day job? Would you oh, ever? Oh, God, no. The thought oh. of it sends shivers up my spines. <laughs> no way. It's really yeah. good that you're able to, to formulate a very strong plan out of out of work and i think for me because i know a lot of people listening are trying to achieve that and they're trying to create that um secondary source of income that they can eventually retire to because um so in my case one of the reasons why i wanted to do it is because i wanted to have sort of a more relaxed family life so i could have more time mm -hmm the kids now that's arguable if I have more time with the kids <laughs> the way I've planned my days but they're here like I can see them when I'm tired of working I can just literally go downstairs and go yeah with them so you know I have a bit of that luxury but one of the key things here is how you were able to kind of work step by step so I'm imagining that you know you were viewing properties either on the weekends so researching in the evenings like how yeah. you like practically, how are you doing? This? Gosh, so I mean, if I just if I step back mm -hmm. six years ago now, and if I explain what an average week looked like, so I used to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to do half an hour of property-based research or something in the morning. Then I would get dressed, get ready for work, leave the house, commute for an hour and a half to go to work on the train. Mm -hmm. do my hours, get back home at eight o'clock in the evening, quickly have some food, spend another hour doing some more research on the internet um, or maybe listening to a, a, a webinar or a podcast like this um, mm -hmm. and then making appointments for viewings during my lunch break. <laughs> Sounds like my life. Um, and then on Friday evening, I would get home, I'd leave work early on the Friday get home at around six o'clock, pack a bag and drive from Hertfordshire in the southeast to Greater Manchester for three and a half, four hours on a Friday evening. Wow. To then be there and stay the night in a cheap bed and breakfast, to then be there for Saturday morning to do viewings all day Saturday and then come back home on Saturday night 
to then spend all day Sunday crunching numbers, preparing offers, seeing which one of those worked and which ones don't. The difference in, for, for me certainly, and I've seen this over the last five, six years, mm-hmm. is that if you want that level of success and those choices and that freedom, then you have to put in the work. And I think too many people go into, you, you know, built in property or whether they do trading or whatever it is. And they think that maybe it's a get rich quick scheme. There was nothing get rich quick about this. There was nothing easy. I put in the hours I've cried and I've stressed and I've had my fair share of, you know, bad builders and hiccups and all the rest of it, but I still wouldn't change it for the world. I put in the hard work and it's mine. Yeah. it's mine it, that, that, that's it there's no question about that I've built this and nobody can take it away from me and it was worth the two years 18 months to two years up front that hard work whilst holding down a full-time job it was worth the pain definitely and you know that's my biggest message whenever I talk to anybody if you're thinking about doing this great I would I, I would absolutely advocate for, advocate for anybody to go ahead and do this yeah. but be prepared for the hard work yeah yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, full-time job in the southeast and investing in the northwest. So you had already picked Manchester originally as your investment partner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was the best returns. The best returns on the buy-to-lets, you know. I, on most of my buy-to-let properties in the first couple of years, uh, it's infinite return on investment when I was refinancing I was pulling out all of my investment. Oh, wow yeah. um, that um, is the real trick with this with property investing and when I found out because I kind of stumbled on on this by overhearing I went to an auction viewing and right. I heard some some guys reconfiguring the property and you know just talking about what their plans were to do and I was like that was such a, a wow moment for me <laughs> really so you don't have to buy a two bed and leave it as a two bed or a house and leave it as you know like you can add value to it and then finance all your money out that was a real aha moment for me and yeah. it, it, it makes the difference it's how you can build up your portfolio yeah. but i like what you did which is using the fi- um, investor finance to mm-hmm. build up quicker because yeah. in a sense that gave you that initial capital and the fact that you're able to find an inv- angel investor that was only taking eight percent good on yeah. you Mm-hmm. you know because you know i guess well, now it's more competitive so well my angels now i now i secure them at five or six percent wow the the difference here is um okay. you know if you speak to the right people because yeah. anybody who's got money sitting in the bank today yeah. you're not even making half a percent you know when you when you add in inflation actually you're you're losing money when it's sat in the bank. Yeah. So, you know offering somebody five or six percent I would leave an offer up to 12%. If the deal can support yeah. me borrowing at 12%, then I will borrow at 12%. Because if an angel, if an investor is, is prepared to invest in, in, in me, in my business, mm-hmm. on a property transaction with me, and they're prepared to take that risk with me, albeit it's a qualified risk, yes. um, then you know why would I not offer them that if the deal can support the cost of the borrowing? And it's all about doing the numbers and making sure the deal analysis is done before you get into a deal rather than, Oh, I'll just go and buy a cheap house. Yeah, exactly. Just because it's all about the deal, making sure that you can add the value, extract it at the end and pay everybody off and everybody's happy. And then you have those investors for life. So I've used a combination of um, private investors, um, institutional finance, so mortgages, bridging finance, development finance, Mm -hmm. 
Um, I've used credit cards. I've used loans. <laughs> I've done any combination. Combination yeah. of exactly. <laughs> Wherever you can get your hands on, you know, because when you look at loans from the bank, you know, if you can get 20, 25K loan at 3%, 4%, exactly. well, that, that can cover a refurb in the North. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, you, you know, you got the money for the deposit from, mm -hmm. from angels or from the last project and what have you, you've got the bank who's prepared to lend you 60, 70%, um, happy days. And that's what I understood about investing is that it's, it's not just doing one deal at a time, mm -hmm. then refinancing before you do another, yeah. you line them up and, you know, I'll have anything yeah. from, at the time we had four or five deals running in parallel. Yeah. It's not just yeah, doing one year. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I did realize that because when I got in, I was doing the flips. And, you know, I always talk about this yo yo life where if you're buying one flip, waiting for you to have to sell that flip, yeah. moving to the next one, it's a hard life. <laughs> so stacking them up, you know, and getting enough financing to kind of help you. So you have like a, it's almost like an engine running where it's kind yeah. of like going yeah. from deal to deal. It makes it a lot easier and makes it, you know, it yeah. makes everything go entirely. And especially when things are so systemized as well, you know, when you're a few years in and you've got, like we, we, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, you have a team that you use. Mm -hmm. You have the builders, you have your architects, your planning consultants, the, the agents that you might have a relationship with. You have mm -hmm. all these people in your team and you build that and it's almost like it's, it is just like, an, uh, you know, it's a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying and you to just put it in the front end and everybody else does all of the work yeah. and it comes out shiny and clean it's yeah. great. <laughs> I know but yeah you know one that was what I think that was one of the other things that was a big big learning for me was yeah. trusting other people okay. you know because everybody's had a horror story um with builders oh let's everybody. talk about builders please right. what has been your experience so I've been <laughs> in that uh, when I started, the builders that I got were referrals. So they, they protected their interest with the person who had referred. So that was good. And then I had a few projects. By the time I started dealing with builders independently, where I just sourced them directly from the market, I already was a few years into it. So I already knew all the checks and balances to put in place to protect myself. So I think I've been relatively lucky. Now I have a friend who she's done well with her deal, but men, the builder, really really took her to town like mm -hmm. she was crying on the project like things bad things happened on the project but you know it all worked out so yeah. what sort of experiences have you had with builders um god i've had uh, very early on mm. uh, i had uh, i think it was on maybe my fourth or fifth project and it was something that was supposed to be a flip with about a 20 grand profit mm -hmm. and the builder had every excuse under the sun why the project wasn't completed on time mm -hmm. and, and it just took forever to get him back to do bits and then he would disappear for a couple of weeks i wouldn't hear from him wouldn't be able to get hold of him and then the phone call phone call would come it's like my van broke what, what <laughs> your van broke down what and what did your phone break down as well <laughs> so you you know and that one i was on a on bridging finance Oh, okay. um, so I reached the end of the term on the bridging finance and then I went into penalties. So most of the profit was actually eaten up. Yeah, by by the the yeah. Now I didn't lose any money on that property, but I didn't, I only made about 8,000 pounds in the end. Now, you know what? It's better than a slap in the face. 
it's better than having lost the money but you know there's a yeah, big learning sure. there in terms of doing the due diligence on the builders yeah um and i think i mean i've never ever worked with a builder where i've given them so much money up front oh, never that is the thing that i don't understand when i hear these horror yes. stories when people say oh i gave them fifty thousand pounds and then they disappeared well what did you disappeared. <laughs> exactly it's, and honestly joe you just nailed it and that never give them more because builders actually somebody had clued me onto this that a lot of builders have a lot of things on credit so other yeah. than the people that they're paying which is the like the labor that they have they don't need that much money to start yeah. up so you maybe give them a deposit to start, but that's it. Then yeah. everything goes on milestones exactly. and deliveries, yeah. you know. And you, uh, another tip I have as well is the structural engineer. So one of the builders that yeah. did manage to extract money from me, and this guy did a great job. He came in low. And then when we say he gets into foundational type of work, he started yeah, coming yeah. up with all sorts of, mm. um, oh, no, we have to go deeper. Oh, no, this is not, you know, um, we need to put some more foundation pads, blah, blah, blah. This is going to cost you an extra 10,000 um, pounds. But the big mistake was because I went with his structural engineer. So mm. the next time I had another builder, I then get, got my own independent structural engineer and he completely was on my side. So anytime the builder was going to come up with anything, he was like, no, there are more efficient ways to do it. And he saved me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of the things I always advise, like if the builders bring a structural engineer and you trust the builder, well and good. But yeah. I think do the due diligence and find your own person who's Absolutely. on your side. Definitely. I've got, I've got something like that going on at the moment, actually. So um, I've uh, been in a it's a conversion project. So it was an ex care home and I'm converting it to flats and houses. Okay. The flats have been converted, but we've got the new builds. They are new build houses on the back. So there's existing buildings going to partially demolish those. Yeah. We've got some foundations to lay, you know, and then we've got some wind posts to tie to the party wall. And then we're building brand new on the inside. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to go on. But... Space at the back of the care home, effectively, and you're able to yeah. use yeah, okay. exactly exactly so you, you know the structural engineer my structural engineer has been out in this last two or three weeks with the demolition company with the builder with the builders qs um and with the builders site manager and with my project manager and me so we've all been on site several times in the last few weeks to do exactly like you said to get all of the What's the worst case scenario? What would, what can we do with this? Demol Mr. Demolition Man, if we pull the foundations first, is that load bearing enough for you to then put your machine on to put, to do the demolition? So we've got all of this lined up because what I don't want is that we start putting a spade in the ground. And then like you say, all of a sudden there's another 10, 20, 30, 40,000 pounds spent because you know, on the bigger projects, yes, you've got bigger profit margins, but you don't want all your profit to be eaten up with silly mistakes. Yeah. So you're having all of those people lined up on, on that size of a project is the most important thing is knowing who you need and then finding the right people. So how have you coped as a woman? Because it's very male dominated. <laughs> no, um, so, <laughs> do you know, I found it when I first started, I really struggled. So I invested in... Um, in a place called Oldham and Rochdale, Greater Manchester. And in both of those places, there is a lot, there is a high level of Asian, South, Southeast, uh, South Asian population, okay. right? So Indians, um, Muslims, Bengalis, what have you. Um, and so I'm Indian and I'm female. Oh Lord. And I'm not very tall. Oh really? <laughs> 
so you know i guess i guess the, 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 there was an old school mentality amongst you, you know and this is a massive generalization here but you know between the older generations of asian men mm. um about a, a woman's place i guess you know thankfully you know the, the the sort of the last generation my parents generation they're not so much like that but you could you do get that and I wasn't taken very seriously, especially builders at the beginning trying to rip me off. What they didn't know is that my dad is in construction. My dad has been in construction his whole life. I know about buildings. I have my own set of power tools. I know how much things <laughs> cost. So the minute I start pushing back on them, they were like, okay, we can't mess around here. So, you know, it was, a, it was, it was tough building that relationship with those types of people um but once we kind of got beyond that actually it became a really easy working relationship because you know we had cultural similarities mm -hmm. um and they just had to basically you know get get rid of their own preconceptions about the fact that i was female and that i'm indian so yeah you, you know but now i embrace that i use it to my advantage oh, you, you know okay so i'm i'm five foot five foot four um, so I am quite sure so if I'm on a building site um, I will be the damsel in distress <laughs> and I will play the game and have fun with it you know you, you don't I don't go when I first started I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder because it was fresh out of the corporate world but now when I go onto site you know I have my hard hat on my safety boots I will have a laugh with the builders and I'll spend two three hours there I'll take them coffees or I take them chocolates or cakes and stuff and you, you know it's just a completely different relationship because I've evolved from who I was six years ago seven years ago when I first started in property I'm a very different person now mm -hmm. um you know I've learned a lot I've worked a lot on myself from a development perspective mm -hmm. um just in terms of my communication style and just I, I've learned to relax and let go I think so especially when you're coming from the corporate world because it's a completely different world in this sort of oh, yeah. world and the type of guys that you meet so if you come with that sort of corporate you know attitude then yeah it's, it's, I did I had a corporate hangover for many many years <laughs> and it was hard to shake off but you know I, I, yeah I again I said it before but I love what I do because it's so easy really when you know what you're doing yes you you, you know every project is a new experience because you learn new things but I, I made sure that I understood the basic principles mm. and so when I moved on from basic two three bedroom houses up to commercial to residential conversions, yeah. I yeah. actually went and sat some more training courses about oh, commercial yeah, property. How to do commercial, yeah. okay, All right. It's not the same as just doing a renovation on a two-bedroom house, it's I know. not. I know. People think it's an easy step, you know, and um, I've, I've just, just made sure that I've learned along the way. I mean, I still have, I still have a coach now. Okay. Um, and you know, because my, my coach is somebody that I aspire to be like, he's doing great stuff. Um, and as a result of having been coached by him for probably the last year and a half now, mm -hmm. um, very soon after I started coaching him, I thought, actually, you know what? I actually have the knowledge and the experience mm -hmm. and the skill set and the personality, I think, um, to coach people as well so I started a coaching business on the side so I now coach newbie investors or investors who you know maybe they've built a, a, a base foundation of buy to lets 
and they're ready to take things up to the next, next level. level. And they want to learn how to scale things up. So I've also started a coaching business as well. So one of the things that you realize, and as you will know, is when you're in property full time, whatever that means, you actually have a lot of time on your hands. Because you're not the one building. You're not yeah. the one looking for the financing. You're not doing anything. Really. You just coordinated everything. Yeah. So I, my, I have two jobs, you know, I, I go and find the buildings, yes. do the deal analysis, and then I secure the funding. Yes. And everybody else does it's everything. Everything else. Yeah. You know, I'm not a builder. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Do, I, you know, the, these hands do not do building work. Able <laughs> <laughs> to get those nails done in these times. Uh, no, I do them myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do them myself. But you know, so it's like you say, you, you just, you've got those two jobs. So you have all this time on your hands. So what else can you do? And for me that, you, you know, I've had so much help on my property journey mm. and to, to give back and help other people is fantastic. Mm. Um, and I love that. I love, I love working with my coaching clients and seeing them go evolve from yeah. where they are. And even from month to month, Mm -hmm. the difference in what they've done and how much they've ramped up activity I just I love seeing that yeah. evolution of people's own journeys knowing what I went through when I first started and where I am now so yeah you, you know it's it's great and you know there's only so many hours you can sit in the garden in the sun <laughs> you know um, so one of the things that I have learned in the lockdown though is actually to spend more time on myself Okay, because I was just about to come to the question of how have you found the lockdown? Because different people have had different experiences. Yeah. So it's really made a massive impact on their businesses. So for instance, I was in service accommodation and that kind of just fell off the cliff. Yeah. So but you have loved it. So tell me about it. I have it. loved it. So mm -hmm. I haven't had any tenants stop paying. Fantastic. I've been absolutely brilliant. That's been great. Um, I... Uh, my time management has become so much more focused and on point mm -hmm. because now all of a sudden, you know, we've had, we had 12 weeks behind locked doors pretty much. Right. Yeah. And if you're awake for 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, 16 mm -hmm. hours a day, and you've got all that time. And if you do nothing with that time, you, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, right? A little bit. <laughs> so I've spent a lot of time revising my business plan, resetting my goals and getting better at time management. So I would say, right, I'm going to do X number of hours of work in the morning. I will set aside an hour or two to check emails and respond emails. Um, and then actually I'm going to have a few hours off in the middle of the day and I'm just going to do nothing. Or I'm going to sit in the garden or I'm going to read a book or I'm going to go and clear out the office or I'm going to go for a walk. And when we weren't in lockdown, pre-lockdown, I felt like I was constantly on the go because I felt like I needed to be busy all the time. Yes. And you find that I, I well, certainly for me, I found I was busy being busy, but not actually being productive. Mm -hmm. So in lockdown, what I've realized is that I've actually been so much more productive. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, two, three weeks ago with the lockdowns, you, you know, restrictions being eased, I've been even more productive in the last three weeks mm. and days and days and days of viewings and online research and deal analysis mm -hmm. and speaking to people in my team. And, you know, things are moving, things are moving rapidly okay. just in the last three weeks. So, you know, I, 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 I feel like from a business perspective, it's been fantastic for me on a personal level. I can't even tell you. I, I've just had so many revelations um, about, 
what I want out of life, mm. how I want to live my life on a day-to-day basis, how I want to show up for me, mm. not for the world, but for me, and just really taking a lot of time for self-love and self-care. Which you didn't have time to do before with all the hustle and bustle. Yeah, I never made time for me. Yeah. And I've made time for me now. And, you, you know, some days I will say, right, you know, actually I'm done with work today and it could be at three o'clock and I will say I'm done at three o'clock I'm not going to answer any emails I'm not going to do anything because unless uh, unless somebody's going to die by me not taking action off the back of an email or a text message or something then it's not important it can wait Yeah. yeah And before I was always so responsive, and if you're always very responsive, then you start setting standards and expectations yes. other people have on you. And yeah. I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, and you don't need I want to be in control. And yeah, like you, you don't need to be, don't need to be. So, you, you know, that's been great for me. I've, I've really enjoyed lockdown. I've, I've, I've never cooked so much. Wow. <laughs> I've been trying new recipes and you, you know the waistline shows for that as well so yeah I've really enjoyed cooking as well I started paint uh, drawing again actually so I love drawing so I've got all my pencils out my charcoals got my artist pad out so I've been doing a bit of that you know thank god we've had such amazing weather i've got the sun lounger out and i've been sunbathing <laughs> in the garden for hours and hours and hours having a blast it's like you've almost had this like lockdown holiday in a sense yeah exactly but i haven't yeah. I, I don't feel you know like i came out of it at the end of the 10 12 weeks feeling like i haven't accomplished anything i actually i'm i'm very motivated and very focused right now um, for the next phase of growth in my business and with my business partners as well. So, you, you know, I do, I do deals by myself. Mm-hmm. I have private investors that I do deals um, with. They invest in the projects. I also do a couple of JVs, but I also just started a new business with a business partner. We've got a bit of a, we've got about a five-year plan okay. of what we want to do in that business. And is that um, property as well? Yes, yeah, that's property as well. So, uh, and she's, you know, she's a female. She's, she's, she's a little powerhouse as well. And I love the fact we have so much synergy in terms of our values and our belief system, first of all. Very important. Um, um, but also in terms of what we want to do, the types of projects we want to work on, uh, the financial goals that we have in the business, um, mm-hmm. what we want our business to stand for, how we want people to recognize us and know us. Mm-hmm. We're, it's, we're, there's so much synergy it just felt like the most natural thing to do. Yeah. Isn't, it, her, isn't it? Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we, we both, we, whilst we have a lot of similarities, we both bring a different skill set to the business as well, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and between us, we have a great, we have great people in our teams. When we put all of that together, you, you know, it's just perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's also something that we've continued to work on during lockdown as well. You know, we spent a lot of time talking to each other on the phone and on Zoom calls and what have you and just formulating that business plan. Yeah. We've hit the ground running. So, yeah, very excited for that as well. Fantastic. I wanted to ask private investors, because you've mentioned quite a bit about private investors in this yeah. uh, in your talk. How do you go about finding private investors? What wow. <laughs> so um, my first private investor was somebody that was actually doing the training with me. Okay. Um, she wasn't able to start investing immediately. Um, so she offered to invest some money um, in, in me. And I was like, wow, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought it can't be this easy. 
Um, but she, 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 training. she, she had to be on the same training with you, but she could exactly. So I think she had a sense of confidence. The fact that I was bothering to get myself trained and that I was going to be more likely to look after her money than anybody else would be. Okay. Um, and that gave her a, a great sense of confidence, which is great. So that she was my first angel. Um, my dad was my second angel. Of course, that's uh, you, you know, he gave me his life savings to invest. Um, and my dad, my parents get paid at 12% still. Okay. Um, I made that money work for them. Yeah. Um, and then I've just picked up angels along the way. So I go to a lot of networking meetings, mm -hmm. both property related and non-property related. So other business networking meetings as well. And you um, angel investors that way as well? Yep. So just pitch to people, you know, sometimes with angels, it doesn't happen overnight with angel investors. This is about building relationships and building that trust. Exactly. Um, so I've done that as well. I've been introduced to people. So when I speak to people and I tell them what, what I do, they say, well, I might know somebody who would be interested. So then I would take that to the next level and say, well, if you introduce me and I end up doing business with that person, I'll pay you a referral fee. So then they make something as well for the introduction. They might not be something they're interested in, but in investing in or that they can invest in, but they might know somebody who does. Um, I've done a lot on social media for the last probably 18 to 24 months. So I've had investment off social media. So people send you messages and say, well, I like what you're doing. I saw that project. Can you tell me more? And again, it comes from, you know, a, a bit of time, conversations, meetings over coffee and, and discussions. Um, and then just seeing if there are any synergies. Um, one of the things that I will say here, though, is I have in the past spoken to somebody who's had millions in the bank, but the values didn't align. Mm. And I refused to take the money. It didn't, it would have been too easy for me to take the money. Yeah. But the values didn't align and I didn't like where this person was coming from. Really? That's an interesting You've got a sense of you about know, money and you think, wow, what does a million do for my business? I can yeah. just park whatever values they have yeah. that don't sync with mine and just do what I need to do and keep it professional. But no, you're saying no. no. For, for me, I think values are, are too important. I've spent mm -hmm. a lot of time working out what my own values are, yeah. what my belief system is and who I want to be and how I want to show up. Mm -hmm. And they are the people that I want in my circle. Yeah. Um, that's why it's, I mean, it's very easy for me to talk to, to you and talk with you. And when we spoke on the phone, yeah. it, it was too, it was so easy. Was, yeah. um, whereas there are some people that you meet and you instantly know that there's something that just doesn't seem right. I, I get you. I get and you. that's okay. Yeah, that's perfectly okay. You know, it would be great if every single person on the face of this earth got on with everybody. Yeah, but, but the reality of it, you know, so I, I think, you know, when people are looking to work with angel investors or joint venture partners, mm -hmm. the most important thing is not about how much money they bring. It's about who are they? What are their values? Okay. And do you want to be in business with that sort of person? Because it's not, it's not a short term relationship. Yeah, I always say property is a long term game. Yeah. It's yeah yeah um so yeah lots of lots of networking lots of just talking to people and tell everybody what you do yeah, what you do yeah everybody you know i i, I do find myself I, I, having to stop myself if i'm <laughs> on a social night out no not talking about property and a social <laughs> event. oh gosh nobody <laughs> asks you what you do and you're so passionate about it yeah tell everybody what you do 
Um, yeah. and it's about building, building that. and that's what I told because I have mentors as well so um, or other mentees as well that I talk to and I say look when you're setting up especially when you're trying to get into property you have to be out there everybody has to know so I remember when it was coming to my 10th year anniversary I did this whole broadcast to everyone that I knew to say I've been in property for the past 10 years I can't believe it but you know this is what i am this is who i am if you know anyone you know come and support me at this new webinar i'm doing i'm launching my you know i'm kind of pivoting my business again you know just so everybody kind of knows and guess what off of that the amount of business that i've got back in again you know it's almost like you just have just remind people that this is who i am if you know anyone who's saying anything property and one of the guys that called me said oh yeah he was talking to somebody and they're like oh don't you know Delapa? she's into property you're talking about property i was like you see this is why people need to know what you're about yep because yeah because the referrals Absolutely. do come in yep and it's again it goes back to people need i think on a personal level people need to know not just what you do but who you are yes so, you, you know, one of the things that I've learned and I've done a lot of personal development training alongside the property technical training is mm-hmm. when, when we meet new people, the first question people ask is, so what do you do? Yeah. And for me, the first question I ask is, so who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Because I want to know who that person is, because I don't think that a job defines people. But mm-hmm. we let, you, you know, I've been there myself, but you let a job define you. Mm-hmm. So it's who are you and, and get really getting to know that person before you talk about anything else mm-hmm. um, because you like you, you know where the synergies are automatically and often our gut instinct tells us uh and you you know and i think a lot of people don't rely on their gut instinct yeah yeah um, they'll, they'll just ignore it and shrug it off but yep. then eventually they'll know why exactly. why you had that yeah 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 and then um i wanted to know um something about your journey so i wanted to know have you had any difficult um, scenarios <laughs> that made you feel <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh God, what is this? How am I going to cope? Like, so give it, talk us through that. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, obviously issues with builders, of yeah, course. Of course. Um, you know, having offers accepted, um, spending a little bit of money, say maybe you might have started legals oh, or you've done yeah. surveys and then somebody and then, you, open, you get gazumped so you lose deals or you spend money on a survey and you realize that actually the building is about to fall over it's not worth doing it when i first started on the larger projects um i did i spent probably about twenty thousand pounds across various deals doing feasibility so when you're looking at larger projects mm-hmm. you, you know if it's a commercial building and you want to convert it to residential you, you, you know there are so many unknowns there because you don't know what you're going to do if planning uh, you, all the additional surveys that you need to do etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so sometimes you have to spend money on feasibility studies and surveys mm-hmm. to realize that it's not a deal oh wow so it's better to have spent three four five thousand pounds up front than to get halfway through to realize it's not a deal so yeah. You, you know, I mean, that's not a challenge. I would say that you, that's just a learning and that's something that you, you sometimes you have to do. Um, one of the projects. So when you get onto larger projects, there are a whole series of things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Planning. Um, surveys. Protected species. Neighbours. Builders. Structural problems. I've had all of those on one project. Oh, wow. 
So we, um, let me start with the planning first of all. So when we bought the building, um, both neighbors uh, came over when we got the keys, we went there and they said, oh, have you bought this building? It's a fabulous building. And what are you planning to do with it? We're really excited. And said, oh, we're gonna do a, a scheme of um, flats. We're gonna convert the flats, uh, convert the building into flats. We're gonna have a look at what we can do on the land at the back. Wow, it sounds amazing. And it's gonna be great. And oh, if you are gonna do flats and one of the neighbors said, my mum would probably love to buy one of those, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, wow, this is really great. Mm -hmm. Neighbors are on side. Happy days. Happy days. Um, a day before we were due to get the planning decision, mm -hmm. the number of, of objections went from two to 15. Wow. Anything over three objections and you have to go to planning committee. So we had to go to planning committee and the person who had objected and was the instigator of all of the other objections the neighbors was that neighbor. So it was very much this whole sort of, you know, NIMBY mentality, not in my backyard. Love the idea, but you're not doing it next door to my house sort of thing. We got the planning. We were always going to get the planning. The planning application and the decision was actually just a formality. Mm -hmm. The council wanted it um, sure. renovated, refurbished, converted. It, the property had been empty for eight years. They wanted something doing to the property and they loved the scheme, but we had to go to planning committee because of the number of objections. So we got the planning permission and then, then they, they turned into how, the neighbors. How long, how, wow. So how long did that delay? How, how long was that delay? When In you had total, it took us nine months to get planning. And you would normally have taken what, two to three months? So, uh, for, depending on the size of the project, so we had uh, nine, ten units in there, so it's classed as major development, so you have a 12 to 13 week timescale, plus another four to six weeks on top of that for the plans and the surveys and the architects to do their work, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So you should allow probably a four, four month time frame, okay. five month even. Get your planning. Yeah, so this was nine months. Ouch. <laughs> Right, so it's already costing me. The building's already costing me and we haven't got planning because we'd bought it already. Um, and then they turned into the neighbours from hell. Um, as part of the planning, we had to do surveys because it's in a conservation area. Um, and uh, we found out we had bats. Oh, gosh. So bats so are a protected species. Um, and when we come to do uh, some of the other work, Batman, the ecologist has to come out and observe. So there's all of that. Um, we had broken drains. Um, so we had to excavate two meters down to find the broken drains to replace the drains. Um, what else did we have? Uh, so some structural issues. So we had to create, we had a basement there. Mm -hmm. Um, and we wanted to use the basement as an apartment. But in order to do that, we had to lift the whole of the ground floor up to give us enough head height in the basement. The basement, yeah. Yep. So as part of that work, then we had some, some structural work to do. Um, what else? Um, builders. I went through three sets of builders on that site. Halfway through the project, the lenders decided to pull the funding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and in all, the, all of this, while all of this is going on, I've still got the neighbours from hell. <laughs> so 
How'd yeah. you get through this project? Uh, uh, well, look, I mean, I, I, I'm very grey <laughs> as a result of it. I feel like I've aged a lot. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's, it was a steep learning curve, a massive learning curve. But, you, you, you know, it, that old saying, if it doesn't kill you, make, it makes you stronger. It does. And it, tell, it gives you a good story as well. Oh, definitely. But, you know, it's, it's one of those that I've had so many learnings on that that I've taken forward with me onto other projects and I know what not to do or what to do differently yes. to make that process a lot smoother going forward. So, you know, if, every day is a school day in our business um, and I've, I've had lots of learnings. Um, yeah. I love that you push yourself though. I like the fact that you sort of pushed and pushed and pushed. And oh yeah, I'm a fighter. I don't give up on anything. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me a few weeks ago, um, so when, when do you think you, you, you'll stop? Probably never. <laughs> you know, even if I get to the point where I just, I pay, actually I pay a sourcing agent to go and find the deal right. and project manage it and do everything for me, mm -hmm. I would probably still do one, a project every 12 to 18 months, every two years or something like that. Because you like, the, you like the, really? yeah. yeah. And I love seeing that transformation of yeah. that, you know, that ugly duckling into the beautiful yeah. swan. Uh, just creating beautiful homes for people to live in so yeah you, you I don't think I'll ever stop that's the dream yeah. indeed and then let's take you back to when you were younger so who is Joe like what is oh. how, like what was your personality when you were younger and you know it's kind of interesting to know the type of person you were and then how you've now evolved into this sort of <laughs> so um complete rebel <laughs> Um, I've, I'm not, I never have been naturally academic. Okay. So I always struggled at school. Um, I didn't like studying. <laughs> I don't like authority. I never have. <laughs> um, so I didn't like the teachers very much either. So, you, you know, I just, I, I guess even then in my teenage years, my younger years, I, I, I was rebellious, but I think it's because I knew that I, I, I wasn't, I didn't fit the grain yeah of what my parents expected you know i've had i had a fantastic childhood had a great upbringing never wanted for anything my yeah. parents are hard workers they they instilled good ethics mm -hmm. i'm the middle child i've got an older sister and a younger brother you know we all have a really strong work ethic we're all we were all pushed to get educated go to university and my dad's view was you know no child of mine is ever going to have to rely on anybody else at least if you've got an education you can always get a job doing something. You can always rely on yourself and stand on your own two feet. And, I, you know, I'll be forever grateful for that. But I always knew that I wasn't cut out for it. But it took me 17, 18 years as a corporate employee to figure out that I didn't want to do that anymore. And I was right then that it wasn't for me. But my dad was very much, you know, you have to go to university. There's no two way about it. Yeah. And I did. And I went to university and you know what? I've got a law degree. Okay. <laughs> um, and I've never practiced a day of law in my life. Well, guess what? <clears throat> it must come handy in reviewing contracts. Uh, no, I don't, I don't do it. I don't even do any I, of that. I can, I can if I wanted to, but I, yeah, my, my, my time is far more precious than reading legal documents. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pay the solicitor, pay them well, <laughs> let them do their job. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> Even when you're doing, because what I do sometimes when I'm looking at a project and it's obviously my projects are not as large as yours, I will scan the legal documentation. 
without having to necessarily send it. Obviously, they're going to do all the conveyancing, but because I buy an auction, yeah. I kind of look at the document and I'm not going to send it to the, to the lawyers all the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, but in your case, you'll be looking at larger deals. So you're going to have them send yeah. to the lawyers. I, mean, anyway. I, I, will, I will scan through and the things that I look for are really the biggest things that I look for is what uh, any charges that you can see yeah. and the restrictive covenants. Yeah. They're, they're the two things that you you know if there are charges on there okay if they're just if they're registered charges if they're bank charges that, that's not a problem if there's something else that looks a bit well hang on a minute um, you, you know that can send the alarm bells um, and then I look at restrictive covenants mm -hmm. you might end up looking at a building that you can't do anything with because there's a covenant in the lease yeah. or you, you know in the in the title document so yeah I, that's basically the bare bones of it but yeah I get the solicitor yeah. to do everything else yeah no 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 i don't do any of my own accounts i don't do any of my conveyancing i don't do anything in my business <laughs> <laughs> you just make yeah everything yeah as much as i can outsource everything well you do the deal analysis though yeah 100 percent. of course that, that's you got to take ownership of doing the numbers exactly i always wonder when people can rely on other people to do their deals like i'm like no 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 no. i have to understand what's going on with this deal yep. make sure it works for me and then yeah even you know i mean i get i do work with sourcing agents um mm -hmm. in the past i have bought stuff through sourcing agents okay. and even if they send me a full deal pack through with all the numbers yeah i will still go and do all of I my do your, yeah. and do my numbers again yeah. myself and if it means that if that takes me a week to two weeks to do mm -hmm. and i lose the deal well that's fine yeah, that's fine, yeah. there's plenty more out there but i will never ever push the button on a deal without doing that level of research and without doing my own due diligence and my own analysis so you you know i i think going back to your question about so you you know what what was what, yes. what was i like growing up and all the rest of it i don't think you know I, I never wanted to be a corporate employee i always knew i wanted to do something different and when I, funnily enough, when I told my dad that I was going to start investing in property, he was bouncing off the walls with excitement. And I just looked at him and I said, but dad, you made me go to university and get a law degree. Why didn't you just tell me to do this 20 years ago? <laughs> but I guess it's a journey, isn't it? Because some of the learnings that you had in your corporate, in the corporate world is what is equipping you to do the things that you do now. Definitely. So you know, the, definitely at least the discipline and some of the, I guess, actually what? <laughs> like what sort of things have helped you in your corporate um, world uh, kind of transition over? So, I mean, I, I was in financial services and oh. I was a project and program manager. Okay. So, you, you know, in terms of project plans and managing sort of dependencies, uh, you know, looking at sort of critical path on, on construction projects, yeah. I've, yeah. I've really kind of tried to get involved on that side of things that as much as my builders hate it, builders don't yeah. like project plans like, and yeah. parts, right? Yeah. <laughs> They do not. Um, and get, and try the get them to work. Anyway, they're like, oh, we're like, oh, it's supposed to be done on the 24th. They're like, no, no, no. Let's move that back by a week. It's not going to be, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so, you, you know, I, I think yeah. that there are definitely those, those skills. Okay. Uh, you know, people skills are massively important. I worked at managerial level in various jobs mm -hmm. during my corporate life. So those people skills are really, really important as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they're, they're probably the most important things. But I, I'm very... I'm, I'm, I think the last five, six years of my working life were the worst yeah. and it became very hard and bitter. Um, I was being bullied by senior management 
Um, and it really, it really made me hard and very angry. But I was, I've always been a very outgoing, bubbly, sociable person and what have you. So you've got no problems in talking to people. So, you know, finding deals, raising money, solving mm -hmm. problems, all that sort of stuff actually comes quite easily to me because yeah. I think if you're personable and you're likable yeah. and you talk to people, you, you talk with them as opposed to talking at, at them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was very much my brash exterior mm -hmm. when I first came out of the corporate world into the property world. And I've managed to shake that off over time and sort of, you, you know, rediscover who I really am underneath all of that, which is, which is who I am. Yeah. And it's much easier to do business and it's much easier to live your life when you're just true to your, yourself in terms of who you really are. Yeah. You don't have to pretend to be anything. You don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not. And you know, people, people will take you as you are. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm really okay with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Joe. It's really, really good talking to you and getting to know about your journey and you've passed on so much valuable information. So I wanted to just, as we wrap up, it's always good to know where you see yourself going. Like, so what are your big plans for the future? Well, okay, so uh, got an Im immediate mm -hmm. future, sort of eighteen to twenty-four months. Um, I, I've got a plan to add uh, circa twenty thousand pounds of passive income mm -hmm. per month to your current. Yeah, so that's where I, that's where I want to get to um, an additional twenty thousand in the next eighteen to twenty-four months. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, with the sorts of deals that I'm looking at, that's maybe four deals, wow. um, which is great, you know, so it's a mixture of commercial and residential and it's about four to 5,000 pounds of cash flow mm -hmm. in my pocket, net in my pocket. So that's great. Um, you know, and then see what happens after that. If I, if I, I will carry on going, but you know, the types of deals that I get involved in. I think the longer term, I, I always had a view that I would get to the stage where maybe I'll do a deal once every 18 months, 24 months, something like that. But actually, at some point, become the bank mm, and actually be investing, yeah, investing other people and do, helping them do what I've, what I've done and what I've been fortunate enough to, to have been able to build for myself to actually help people do that. Yeah. Um, so to become the bank. On a personal level, you know, I just, I want to, everybody says I want to travel. Um, but I think, you, you know, being incredibly unfortunate, mm -hmm. like I say, as a child, um, you, you know, in all of my adult years, I've always traveled a lot and I've been to some great places. But I think there's, there's so much to see and to learn from Never other parts of the world, from other cultures and other societies. So it's something I really, really want to do. Um, you, you want to travel a bit more. And I really want to do something in the space with, um, with women. Yeah. You, you, you know, and, it, and it's not, not necessarily about women in property or women in business or, you, you know, about being a feminist or anything like that, but just in terms of empowering women, women yeah. to, for them to acknowledge and accept that they can be whoever they want to be. Yeah. And nobody, but nobody should have any say in that except that individual yeah. you know if you want to be a full-time kick-ass mother 
then be the best full-time kick-ass mother that the world has ever seen. If you want to be a high-flying CEO of a FTSE 100 company, well then set that goal and go for it and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If you don't want to get married and you don't want to have children, well, so what? Who is society to tell you you should or shouldn't do something? And I just think that women should, and, and again, it's not about being a feminist, but it's just that women should feel empowered in to make their own decisions yeah. um but you know alongside that I, I also see this shift over the last particularly in the last couple of years for men you, you know male suicide rates are at their yeah. highest and you, you you hear there's so much in the media there, there's so many hard-hitting storylines uh, on tv programs about depression male depression and what have you that men are expected to be a certain way yeah. um, and men are told to man up. Yeah. Well, what does that even mean? So I think it's that acknowledgement that, you, you know, men also have this sort of maybe a little bit of an identity crisis because women have really come into their own that men actually, yeah. for a lot of men, they don't know what their role is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, there's got to be this sort of maybe a resetting you know and rebalancing of roles and who people are and what have you and it's okay you know even if for men if they want to be full-time stay-at-home dads then great why not why not and don't feel like why you know, not? society shouldn't judge that really yeah. all about your yeah. personal choices i so, hear there's so, so many of these american um housewives who've become internet millionaires and they've retired yeah. now it's term retired their husbands so <laughs> Exactly. 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 I mean, guys don't have an issue with it. They start joining with them with the business and you know, everybody yeah. it's a it's a mutual effort. Everybody everybody gains from it. it. So yeah, yeah you, you know, I think that on on a bigger picture it, it, it doesn't matter how you strip it down. I think really ultimately all I really want to do is to help people. Yeah. In whichever size, shape or format that comes in, whether that's providing good quality accommodation for my tenants, which I do, or that's making sure that I keep my accountants and my solicitors and my architects and all of them in jobs and in their businesses because I need them to run my business. If it's working with women, if it's helping my coaching clients to help them build their own businesses, if it's being able to help my parents with giving them a return on their money and making sure that they have a fantastic retirement, if it's helping to give my nieces and nephews um, a, a start in life. You, you know, they've got fantastic parents. They've got a great start in life. Very, very happy. But if I can build something, because I don't have children of my own, so if I can build something that I can then pass on to them and teach them that skill set, then that's also... So I think, you know, just ultimately, I would just love to be able to just help people in any which way that I can. And I can do that from a place of, being fulfilled myself now that I, I can give freely. I had that exact conversation that it's not just about accumulating wealth for yourself, yeah. it's that ultimately it's about the greater good and what you're doing for society. Very That's what so. we're trying to aim for, isn't it? Yeah. Being impactful in the society that we live and yeah. solving bigger problems. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, it was really great to really rub minds and get to know about you and it's just amazing to see you doing amazing things in property. And I just love interviewing women 
that they're just like, you know, they're just crushing it. <laughs> yeah, me. absolutely. Yeah. It's been absolutely great talking to you. Some really thought provoking questions as well. I hope this episode really gave you a clear roadmap into how you can structure your path into leaving your full-time job if that's what you want to do. Otherwise, it still would have given you some insight into how you can develop a passive income from property investing as you can always partner up with a developer to help you grow your wealth instead of leaving your funds wallowing in the bank account at what zero percent so it's just being savvy about the way you manage your finances and not to wait for anyone else to take responsibility for your finances so definitely you want to make sure you educate yourself and get savvy if you were looking to evolve out of your day job then you know that it's not an easy process it requires a lot of dedication research viewings crafting a plan and taking educated risks it also means you have a strong determination so that even if you come against setbacks you're still moving forward and as you can see from my experience her experience and a lot of people who have interviewed it takes to about 18 months to two years of solid working at it to be able to actually evolve out of your day job if that is what you want to do so brace yourself but determine to move forward every single day with your plans and for more information and blogs, do subscribe and listen in because I'm always giving value through this podcast. You can find me on all the major platforms, Apple, Google or Spotify, anyone you prefer. And also send in your questions because I love to receive the questions and it helps me to shape the direction in which I take the podcast as well. And until the next episode, stay safe, build assets and let's make an impact.